and welcome to LA Redux, a weekly podcast about LA news. I am here with Alex Schmidt. Hola. And uh, our returnee, a very special guest, Richie Dushan of City News Service. Hey, it's great to be back. Uh, thanks for coming back. Um, well, uh, a new era. We have entered a new era, have we not, Richie? It feels new to me. An era of toll lanes. It's a new day in Los Angeles County. A new day. We have toll lanes on the 110 South, Saturday night, 10 p.m. They opened. Uh, the 110 South, they go from Adams all the way down to the Harbor Gateway Transit Center. Uh, solo drivers will have to pay an average of 4 to $7 per trip and as much as $15.40. So we should say that these were lanes that uh, only carpoolers were allowed to drive in these lanes. Now, people who pay these tolls are allowed to drive in the lanes with the carpoolers. Right. If they buy a $40 transponder. I think it's deposit. But... Oh. Nonetheless, not everybody has 40 bucks to put down a transponder, including the carpoolers who don't have to actually pay and, you know, have this new burden of extra drivers. And, and it's so funny because you set the transponder to whether or not that you're going. It just seems like this is so like they made this the most complicated way possible. Like you have to set the transponder to how many drivers are in the car. And if you get caught lying about it, it's a $341 fine. It, it just seems really silly. Yeah, there's so it's a pilot project, all mostly federally funded, and um, something like in the way of more than two hundred million dollars, which is a little perplexing as to how much some cameras and some you know lights and stuff and some signs cost that much money. But there's another one opening up east of downtown on the ten uh, from downtown to El Monte, and uh, and that one will open sometime early next year. About 30,000 people have gotten these transponders, which is kind of a surprising number to me. Um, but the other thing is, I think it does raise some kind of like fundamental question about like how we plan the city. And should we should we just ha make people pay because we've done bad planning and, you know, we don't have good highways and, you know, we've we've allowed we've in incentivized people to drive a lot. Or, you know, or is this a good thing to just make some money because we have traffic and help build new stuff? I don't know. Well, I think we all think that it's a good thing to make money. Uh, and uh, one person who agrees with us is City Council President Herb Wesson. Uh, now, uh, last few episodes, we've talked uh, endlessly about Proposition 30 and Jerry Brown. And, but, but all that time, there was another tax increase that was uh, all of a sudden, it, was, it, it just popped up out of nowhere. Did it not, Richie? Yeah, Jerry had his plan in the works for a year, and, and Herb has had his plan in the works for... A minute? An hour? I don't know. <laughs> a couple weeks. There were all these tax being floated to put on the ballot uh, in March. There was a levy on parking lots. There was a $39 parcel tax. And there was a, there was a tax on new real estate sales. And, uh, and out of nowhere, Herb Weston comes out and says, eh, scratch all those. We're just going to have a half a point sales tax that will just affect everyone across the board. The tax would raise, um, by an economic analysis commissioned by the city, about a little over $200 million, which conveniently is what the budget deficit is projected to be for the next budget. What a coincidence. So um, you actually pointed Hill out to an article by Dave Zonheiser about how you know, initially, one uh, revenue-generating measure that had been proposed was this real estate tax, right? Uh, we knew for a while that all of the constituencies that would be affected by the several other proposed taxes were fighting them, but that's not unusual. Yeah, but yeah. to see something radically different pop up at the last second. 
And then so so I think reporters were left kind of scratching their heads and wondering, like, well, wh why did this happen? And uh, so uh, Dave Zonheiser, a friend of the show, Dave Zonheiser of the L.A. Times, uh, wrote, wrote a piece this morning in, in The Times uh, about how uh, this was all the work of the real estate lobby, that they had uh, lobbied city council to kill the, the, the real estate tax and instead replace it with uh, a sales tax. A pretty, pretty surprising stuff. Definitely. Although I will say that um, the real estate tax that was proposed was taxing homes of 365k or higher. And how is that not a tax on the middle class? Like Dave's article was about, you know, how the sales tax would disproportionately affect the middle class. I mean, we're talking like, there's quite a few people like low income families just starting out buying small homes who would certainly be affected. That's a fair point. I, I actually uh, tweeted Dave Z's uh, article and someone responded to me saying that the uh, the taxing fees uh, for selling real estate are, are very high as it is. So that is a fair point. A couple of people voted against this, including two of the city councilmen that are running for mayor, Eric Garcetti and Jan Perry. And one running for controller, Dennis Zahn. There you go. Well, uh, speaking of industries that control City Hall, Richie, digital billboards. I've written about them recently. <laughs> they hijacked the city council to get them to uh, help them keep very, very lucrative digital billboards up in the city. Yeah, so there's a, the, the court's about to make a decision that could remove 100 digital billboards. Uh, city council says, oh, hey, hold on, hold on, we'll, we'll keep the signs. And we'll make some money off of them. We'll make uh, $25 million a year. Uh, but it turns out that this law was written by Clear Channel, or motion was written by Clear Channel. Right. Which doesn't necessarily mean that the sh city shouldn't try to make money off of the side somehow. It seems like a wonderful way to raise some revenue. Well, well I've been saying this, that we should be taxing all the billboards. I mean, I mean, our, our perspective, our line of sight is a public as a public resource. We should be making some money off of it if it's being uh, intruded upon. Yeah, I think a lot of people agree with you. Um, you know, I, I don't know whether. I mean, I think there aren't many people that that disagree that the billboards should be taxed, especially digital's, because they're so wildly lucrative. Um, eight to ten times what an average billboard brings in, several hundred thousand dollars a month per sign. Um, I think the issue here is the process. And I mean, the reason that a court is considering pulling these billboards down is because of a secret deal several years ago to allow these billboard companies to put them up. Yeah, and the only thing more troubling than an industry controlling uh, a legislative process is one company within an industry controlling the legislative process. Uh, well, uh, when city council wasn't busy doing the bidding of the real estate industry and the digital billboard industry, they were busy doing the bidding of vegetarians. Meatless Monday. Meatless Monday. Uh, Friday, they declared every Monday, every single Monday, to be Meatless Monday. W were you there, Richie? Was it, what, what was it like to be there to watch this unfold? Uh, it was like another Friday in city council. Is this, is this the sure most, we, we talk all the time about, uh, absurd proclamations they make. I, I'm going to say that this may be the most ridiculous one they've made. Do you disagree? I could disagree. I've seen a lot of ridiculous ones. Tomorrow is going to be Dwight Howard Day in Los Angeles. But, but this is every Monday. I mean, surely that multiplies its ridiculousness by at least 52. <laughs> Indeed, that's true. I'm going to come true. out and disagree with you, Hillel, okay, on this one. Tell me why I'm wrong. Um, so Jill Stewart, Hillel's editor. My editor, who I uh, have deep fondness for, full disclosure. She, she wrote a story uh, in the LA Weekly 
or not a story. She a wrote she wrote a blog post in the LA Weekly um, deriding this uh, because all of the city council people are so out of touch with the fact that most people can't even afford meat. However, I think there are plenty of people in Los Angeles who do hear these things and take them to heart. The people who don't, fine. But the people who do, it's great. Like, there's no... Well, why is the city council, you know, trying to tell people not to eat meat? Since when is that their, ob- their obligation? I don't know. They're a mouthpiece for public health. It's not the most horrible thing in the world. It's not complete. What was the other one that we talked about, like, a few months ago that was insanely... Bob right? Marley Day? Bob Marley Day. Come on. That one is, like... <clears throat> Come on. Again, Bob Marley Day was one day a week. If you want to take one day to recognize Bob Marley, I think that's absurd and a waste of time and many things. Every day, Meatless Monday, are you kidding me? Is Herb Wesson really going to not eat meat every every week? This was a man that on his inauguration had a roasted pig in, the, in, in behind council chambers. I am apoplectic. I, I'm, I'm less so. But I like meat. <laughs> I'm, I'm I like meat too, and I'm I guess I'm less so just because I've seen this ridiculousness play out on a weekly and monthly basis. You're Alex, wasting, is, you're wasting, Alex is shaking your head. Wasting energy on hating this. Uh, say it again. Sorry. You're wasting energy on hating this. Uh, wasting or using? <laughs> you listener, I ask you to be the judge. Uh, Jan Perry. Jan Perry made a quote policy speech end quote on Thursday. Were you there, Richie? I was there. Uh, how did it go over? She's got a um, she's got a bit of a pension plan. Everyone these days seems to have their very own pension plan. Alex, do you have your own pension plan? I'm pro Reardon. I'm just kidding. I don't know if I'm pro Reardon, but we should say that like this is this is one of the main differentiating things potentially among the Absolutely. mayoral candidates, right? Um, yeah. So so you know Jan is. Um, is an underdog at this point by most accounts. Uh, she's been out fundraised um, by the two other, you know, city hall insiders um, who have somewhat similar records to her. And and so Garcetti she, and Gruel. Yeah, Eric Garcetti and Gruel. And uh, so she's she's really trying to carve out a you know a contrast to them. Be a, you know f- find policy areas where she can be a foil and gain support. And so she's sort of going after the business community by being sort of pro-pension reform and anti-tax. What she said was so timid. Um, Alex, you're such a bomb thrower. I love that. Yeah. I love that about you. Thanks a lot. Um, She did not... Uh, go as far as endorsing Reardon's suggested plan, which uh, is to shift employees' uh, retirement plans to 401k style. New employees. New employees to 401k style investments. Style, um, that style is key. Right. Um, so instead, she said she would press city employees to increase the amount they contribute to their health care and pension costs. About 70% of the city's workforce pays nothing Toward their health insurance. That is shocking. I read that and I was like, I did a double take. Shocking. 70% and, pay and, nothing. And, and doing this, uh, her proposal, which is rather modest, would save $44 million for the city. Not very much. Well, Not enough. Not enough. But, you know, next year's budget uh, gap is what, 200, around $200 million. So it's not insignificant. Yeah, but it's also supposed to go up and up and up because these pension costs are going up and up and up, which is why Reardon has stepped in to to fill the gap. Uh, All right. Um, Let's talk about a a more serious story uh, that Alex is going to introduce to us. (laughs) Hillel's getting out of saying the words. 
bus rape. I couldn't you say it. What? I just couldn't say it. But you know what? That's exactly what happened, and it's really shocking. Um, uh, here's what here's what's happened. Stop. He's he's laughing. You did it I first. You. you did it I'm, first. I'm, I'm I just had this image of a bus raping a woman. I didn't even realize that that was the center of the comedy in your mind. But anyway, what happened was. Um, this week, a woman who is 18, year old, 18 years old but has mental disabilities and uh, has the cognizance of a 10-year-old um, boarded the 217 Metro bus um, and was raped on the bus in the back of a largely empty bus. Um, and they found the guy and they've arrested the guy because they had security cameras uh, on the bus that they were able to find. But... Buses are a huge part of LA County transit. And I think if we ever expect people to get out of their cars, buses are going to be part of that. And this is a blow, a blow to the system. I agree. I think it's a, a horrible story, obviously. Um, it is it is impressive that, that we do have video footage of uh, on, on buses. I mean, whenever I ride the bus, I am impressed by it. It's, it's nice. It's air conditioned. They have TVs, uh, and, and apparently security cameras, which is, which is impressive. Yeah. I, I mean, aside from the terrible incident, like that was the most shocking thing about this story to me was they actually had a picture of this guy and, and it actually cleared up, um, some, uh, some early news reports, which were that there was a person on the bus who tried to report to the bus driver that this had happened when that actually wasn't true. The, the camera showed that nobody had actually come up to the bus driver. How did the bus driver possibly not notice that this was going on? Well, what the, like, uh, I don't remember which police official said that made the statement, but he said that people think of rapes as like the sort of thing where somebody just gets thrown to the ground, but it's not necessarily something that happens that way. And it can sort of happen like with people standing and sort of, I don't know, the guy had his back to the, to the front of the bus. Mm. So, um, and you know, it's a question about what the responsibility is of the drivers too. Like it's not easy to maneuver an LA bus through traffic, but you'd think like looking in the back and seeing something amiss, you know, They'd say something. I don't know. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, you know, it's it's a sad story, but like, in it, and I think your point is like, you know, it's a it's a blow to the reputation of bus service. But like, don't you think the, the I mean, in speaking to Metro officials about it, like they say, you know, this is, we have these wildly isolated incidents and that people shouldn't be afraid and that somehow that point should be defended in the public conversation. You know, it's not, this doesn't happen but every several years or something like that. Right, no, and I think that happens with a lot of news stories is that, is that what makes them newsworthy is that they're, they're rare um, at any rate. Uh, another uh, kind of a rare, uh, rare crime story, but a little bit lighter, thankfully, <laughs> is a, uh, a graffiti-er. We can't call him a graffiti artist. We can call him a tagger. <laughs> a tagger was arrested the other day for tagging, except it's his job to paint over tags. <laughs> I love this story. This guy's just an entrepreneur. Yeah, he's an he's very smart. Yeah. He's an innovator. Yeah, so this guy, um, he worked for a graffiti removing company known as Graffiti Protective Coatings, which I did not realize was an outsourced thing. Um, 
Hillel did realize this. I did realize it because uh, I don't want to steal the thunder from this story, but um, this very house that we record this podcast in has been tagged a number of times by a gang called OBS 13. And you call the city up when your house has been tagged. You call them up. Within 72 hours, they have it painted over. It is astonishingly efficient. And it is efficient, of course, because it is outsourced and not some government worker, which surely would take four to eight weeks and probably get the color wrong. Are you sure that the people who tagged your house were not working for the graffiti removal company? Alex, you're going to get yourself in trouble with OBS 13 when you go around making those wild allegations. Seriously, OBS 13 doesn't even exist, though. It's not even real. Anyway, so this guy, um, he worked for a company called Graffiti Protective Coatings, and he uh, is accused of fraudulently billing the city more than $2,200 for the work of uh, painting over graffiti when, in fact, he had painted it himself. Um, So apparently the company says that they caught him themselves. Uh, They were the ones who caught him. But uh, I don't know. It's a hilarious story. (laughs) Right. Well, uh, that is going to do it for us and for OBS 13. Uh, Many thanks to Richie Duchon for coming on twice, twice. I hope there's a third. Me too. And Alex, thank you as always. Thank you. And to you, the listener, we will see you next week. (laughs) 